Is your job search stuck? Maybe you're not getting any interviews with employers, or maybe you are, but no job offers. Or you may be new and not even know where to start. This is Charles Maxwood, and I'm releasing a new course ebook on how to find a job as a software developer. The course walks you through the process of finding the types of companies you want to work for, getting their attention, and putting your best foot forward as the candidate they want. I've coached dozens of developers in looking for jobs and have been able to help several people find jobs within two weeks to two months. So whether you're new to development, can't find a great job that fits what you want, or are looking for remote work from an area without a strong tech community, I can help. Go to getacoderjob.com and sign up today. Hi, this is Charles Maxwood, and I've been asked more times than I can count, how do I stay current? There's a lot to this question, and I'm working on a solution. Code badges. That's right. You heard me right. Basically, the idea is, is that you come and do a code badge, and that gets you an introduction to a topic. Then you can decide if you want to pursue it further. But while working on the badge, you gain enough proficiency to be able to pick it up again if you need. A lot of technology comes through on the bleeding edge, and not all of it sticks, but the principles do. So doing badges on the technologies that will get you ahead will provide you with experience needed to stay competitive. Plus, it offers social proof that you know something about the topic. The project is on Kickstarter right now. You can support it and get on the launch list at codebadge.org. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another My JavaScript Story. We're also going to post this on the My Angular Story feed uh, because we have Eli Lucas here. Eli, do you want to say hello? Hey, how's it going? It's going all right. Do you want to just give us a brief introduction, who you are, where you work, what you do, why you're famous? Uh, sure. I don't, I don't know how famous I could say I am, but uh, so my name is Eli Lucas and I am a software developer working at Ionic. Been in the industry for about 20 years now. Um, started off kind of doing Microsoft.net stuff and about 10 years ago, got a lot more into the front end development side of things. So I love web technologies, mobile technologies, and you know my particular passions are intertwining the two, getting them work together. Yeah, well, that, that fits pretty well with Ionic. Right. Which is really cool technology. I'm just going <laughs> to let people know. And uh, yeah, we've done a few episodes on Adventures in Angular about Ionic. We're actually recording one today for Views on View on Ionic. And that'll come out in probably four or five weeks. But yeah, cool stuff. So yeah, so what, what exactly do you do over there for Ionic? So Ionic, I work on the... the we kind of got two arms of the business. We got the open source side, which creates the Ionic framework. And then we also have our professional side, and that's mm -hmm. kind of like the side that's making money as a business on the right. pro side. And that's where I work. And so I, I kind of work on the dashboard for Ionic Pro, and that is a React app. Um, kind of funny going coming from Ionic as a company, having such a deep background into Angular. But yeah, primarily these days, I'm a React developer. Interesting. Yeah, I do find that interesting considering that, yeah, Ionic made the, the big splash in Angular. And I, th I think still, you know, a lot of the primary focus is on Angular. Um, but I am aware that, yeah, things are changing, that they're starting to open things up so you can do React or Vue or whatever else. Right. And so like when I started there and when this uh, kind of new dashboard got designed, it was kind of at a time where they they knew there were lots of other frameworks out there. And, you know, just to try to get a lot more familiarity with what else is going out there. They decided to you know, kind of do part of their core businesses, their software using other frameworks, just so we are a lot more invested into those other communities and technologies. Yeah, that makes sense. So let's back up a little bit. How did you get into programming? So I started back when I was a kid, like I love playing video games. And I think that's what originally got me interested mm -hmm. in doing programming. I wanted to like kind of become a, you know, game developer when I grew up. But then I found out that, you know, 
pretty much back then you had to move out to California and work crazy hours and whatnot. So that kind of got derailed pretty quickly. But probably my first exposure to programming, I don't even remember what kind of system it was, but it was like one of those uh, computers that you hooked up to your television, um, came with like a keyboard that you had attached to it. And you actually saved data onto cassette tapes. And it was probably some type of basic language. You actually had to number <laughs> lines individually. And it came with a book and like the first exercise and it was like, you know, make a man run across the screen. And so you right. type in kind of like a hundred, hundred different lines or so from there uh, to get it to go. I did that. I think I finally got work in. I was like, okay, that was crazy. Programming's not for me. Uh, so I was probably early teens at the time. And then kind of later on, um, as the web started to take off, I just got interested in doing web development. And so I kind of like created my own personal website and uh, all, all that kind of fun, fun stuff. Started off with uh, using Netscape Navigator Gold Edition, which was like one of the first it came with a, a WYSIWYG editor that you can use to kind of drag and drop your website. And so I started off, off with that. <laughs> Had some friends that uh, were starting up a bulletin board service. And so I kind of went and worked for them doing like tech support. Um, they eventually became like a you know dial-up internet service provider. And so I was like doing tech support for them. Um, but then some of our customers started wanting websites developed. And so that's kind of where I got my first like major entry into software development, web development on a professional level. So doing small websites for local businesses and communities, cities, stuff like that. Yeah. Our kind of the software that we used there that I was exposed to was all Microsoft Windows stuff. And so I started off mm -hmm. using Visual Basic to do the web programming. And then about around the time is when .NET came out. And so I was a kind of early adopter of .NET. Um, they released a new version of um, ASP. I think they called it ASP Plus at the time before it even had the .NET moniker. Right. That um, check that out. And it was just a completely new paradigm for programming. So I hopped on that and spent many years doing ASP.NET development. Yeah, I, I've talked to a number of people that uh, got into ASP and .NET development. And, you know, it's it's been interesting to see, you know, who's stuck with it and who's moved on to other, uh, you know, back-end or front-end systems. And yeah, anyway, it's it, it's a pretty common path, I think. And I've also heard from a number of people who, yeah, they got into video games and it was like, oh, I want to build something like this. And then they got hooked on software development. Right. That's probably still one of my deep down dreams is to be a video game developer. Such yeah. as here. Um, but I don't know. Well, web is treating me good. Yeah, web is awesome. And, and I definitely uh, enjoy being a web developer and yeah, I, I totally get where you're going there. I'm, I'm curious, how did you wind up then getting into some of the mobile development and JavaScript stuff? Uh, so I was doing mostly web development on the .NET stack with ASP.NET, but it was kind of at that time where you really didn't want to write a whole lot of JavaScript, at least yourself. Uh -huh. So, you know, ASP.NET, it was uh, web forms at the time. And so they would have these web controls and web controls are a lot similar to the concepts that we have today with like web components and mm -hmm. angular elements and all that kind of fun stuff. Well, basically packaged up HTML, CSS, CSS or JavaScript into one reusable component. But you you throw those and everything was like server-side rendered and mm -hmm. thrown into your pages. So it's like really quick and easy to like get a calendar on your page or, you know, what whatever kind of 
functionality that you need, a data table or something like that. And you kind of trusted the, the big component vendors to do a lot of your JavaScript writing for you. So whether that's Microsoft or, you know, Telerik or any of the right. companies out there that um, produce these types of packages, um, you let them do the JavaScript development for you. And then you don't worry about it just because the differences in the browsers back in the day were so immense between Internet Explorer and, and Netscape that you just had a whole bunch of if then if IE do this, if Netscape do this um, back then. And then jQuery came out and I really didn't want to be doing a whole lot of JavaScript development until jQuery. And what kind of really interested me about jQuery was not only did it normalize the programming model that you use to uh, develop for the different browsers, but it also made doing Ajax super simple. Right. And I was I was a big fan of doing Ajax because I always like to preserve the state on the client and not on the server. I thought it was a much easier programming model uh, to go with. And so on the projects I was working on that had you know mostly server side rendered ASP.NET web form backends, trying to integrate jQuery into them, and just started getting more and more into that. And I think it was you know kind of the rabbit hole that got me down into front end. JavaScript development. Yeah, when I got into web development, jQuery was fairly new, but it had already started taking over. And so, you know, I had done a little bit with like Scriptaculous and Prototype. But yeah, it, it made things a lot easier. Yeah, J- jQuery is an amazing project. It, you know, kind of changed the whole landscape of web development. Yeah, it did. Um, as far as I'm concerned, a lot of people, you know, like to sneer at it nowadays. But, you know, back in the day and even still now, jQuery is still a very popular library and still really powerful. And if it wasn't for it, a lot of the stuff that we have now wouldn't, wouldn't be. Yeah, you, you kids don't know how good you have it. Yeah, with your <laughs> your views and your reacts out there. I know, right? <laughs> that that's That's fascinating. So how did you wind up working at Ionic? So um, I spent a few years consulting, um, and I was doing lots of lots of mobile development, lots of web development. And one of the frameworks that we latched on er- too early was Ionic. Mm-hmm. And so I was working on that, and then I got a full time gig uh, doing Ionic development back when Ionic V1 was still out. And so I really um, liked the framework, and I just happened to be on their website one day looking at the blogs or something, and clicked their careers page or about page or whatever and saw that they were hiring and then next to it it said remote possible i was like oh nice wow i would love to work for ionic um just you know kind of filled out filled out the form sent my resume over thinking that you know this is probably going into a black hole somewhere but then two days later i got a call back and i was amazed and so it was you know they were totally open for hiring remotely and why i kind of like worked remotely a little bit, like a day or two a week and never worked remotely full time. And I was like, yeah, I'd like to like to give this a try. And so, yeah, I went out there to Madison and um, talked to the team out there. I really loved what I saw. Um, I guess they liked me as well. And uh, yeah, started there a little over a year ago. Interesting. So you've been using Ionic for a while. Was that your first foray into Angular? No, I was a Angular 1 developer uh, beforehand too. And I think that's kind of what uh, gravitated me towards Ionic, we had we had somebody who went out to the first Nanjing Conf 
because we were a pretty big Angular consulting shop back back then. And so we had a few people go out there and somebody came back and like, like, hey, you got to check out this thing called Ionic and what, um, what it is. And so I took a look at it and I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. Um, I heard of Cordova. I've heard of PhoneGap before, but never really um, checked it out too much. But we did have one, one app in particular that we did for a local technology association here in Colorado that we did pro bono for them. And it was always a lot of work because it was a native Android app, it was a native iOS app. Every time that there was updates to it, we had to like, you know, pull people either off their jobs or ask them to do it on their own time to get the app right. updated. I was like, wow, I'm going to check out to see what it's going to look like to recreate this app inside of Ionic. And I think like I spent the weekend working on it and pretty much recreated the entire app for both iOS and Android in much less code. And I think like after that, like showed everybody it, what it did. It actually even looked a lot better than the iOS and Android apps. Mm-hmm. But yeah, showed that to them. The rest of the team like thought it was pretty cool. And uh, that's kind of like the focus that we started thinking about from then on. So besides the ease of building sort of a cross-platform application, I mean, wh- why Ionic? Why, what was it that drew you into that as opposed to... Uh, some of the other options out there. I mean, some of them are even JavaScript. You know, we have like Native Script and React Native. Um, yeah. Know, what was it there? Uh, so this this was before React Native or um, Native Script were out, um, mm-hmm. and it okay. was kind of I, I think a big a big draw of it was that it did focus a lot on Angular. And to go back to like why uh, we liked Angular so much after I was, after I was using jQuery for a while. Uh, the whole idea of having a single page application was starting to take hold and become starting to become the standard in developing web applications. And so there was a bunch of frameworks out at the time, played around with Knockout, actually really liked Knockout because being a Microsoft company, uh, it really fit, fit with the paradigm. We had a lot of people doing like Silverlight development. And so having that like two-way data binding like really resonated with um, those who were used to it coming from Silverlight development. And then tried stuff like Backbone. Um, mm-hmm. Backbone was one that uh, never really jived with my way of thinking. And then kind of we did some stuff with Kendo uh, from Telerik for a while. And then I, when I first heard of Angular, I, I went and ch- checked it out. And it just really resonated with me being kind of a the mostly back-end developer at this time we're doing, you know, MVC style applications. Just the architecture of Angular like really spoke to me. I'm like, oh, okay, I can tell this is where my view code is going to go. And this is where my service code is going to go. I have my dependency injection that I'm familiar with. I can figure out how I'm going to test this and whatnot. And so being big fans of Angular and seeing that Ionic like really embraced Angular and was built in Angular kind of like married those two things together for me. Gotcha. So you mentioned before the podcast that you're now working on the Ionic dashboard and that's written in React. So, so what's that transition been like? Great. So I, I did a little bit of React development um, before um, I joined Ionic. Um, so I did one gig where uh, I was working on kind of another dashboarding type application. I, I went there to go work on it particularly because it was written in React and I was wanting to, I spent some time learning React, doing a little bit of teaching React at user groups and stuff. And so I went to go work there and this was kind of early React days. It was like right when Redux was coming on the scene and kind of like the cool thing to do was create your own state store. And so the company I went to go work for created their own state store and 
you know, they, they did a lot with it. Uh, not to say because the team was really a really talented team, but it probably just wasn't the ideal architecture for React. And and so I kind of got a sour taste in my mouth uh, for React. And then so when I came to Ionic, they're like, oh, yeah, and we're doing this in React. I'm like, oh, I'm, I thought I was going to be doing Angular and, <laughs> and, and Ionic and stuff like that. And so I started uh, working on our dashboard and you know a lot of the stuff came back to me pretty quickly but I actually got a real a, a real deep appreciation for react now and how it tackles problems um, differently than at least angular one did um, as far as its component-based architecture and its right. store um, so get um, getting into redux and learning um, about you know the unidirectional data flow that goes through it having immutable data state and patterns like selectors and thunks and stuff like that. Uh, got a real, real good deep appreciation for it now. Interesting. Yeah. And and I remember just people going through the whole redux for everything. And, <laughs> you know, I, I get that people want to try the, the new hot technology, but yeah, it's, it's always interesting to see the process that people go through. Yeah. Yeah. And redux, why the pattern itself is very powerful. Yes. Um, I, I see it a lot, like, especially in the Angular communities, the Angular community starting to, yeah, know, NGRX. Yeah, embrace these things with NGRX. Uh, but uh, they're kind of going through some of the same growing pains. They're, they're taking a look at it and like, oh my goodness, I have to write, you know, all this code just, just to do this one thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, kind of being in the React area for a while, I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of, kind of used to it now. <laughs> There's definitely ways that you can, take a look at the problem and reduce the amount of boilerplate or write uh, helper functions or, or whatnot right. to get you through it. But yeah, it's kind of interesting to see like how, how the communities, where they coincide with each other and the just the learning processes that they're going through to you know, kind of arrive at the same place. Yep. Yeah. And I think we're going to see more of that. I mean, and Redux is a good example of this with the state libraries and things like that. So, you know, just, just where we're coming from and, and, where we're going to wind up. It's, it's just been really interesting to watch. So anyway, I'm kind of getting toward the end of my time. In fact, I saw our next guest pop in for a second. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to start uh, heading us off toward picks. But before I do, do you have any other projects in the works? Anything you're working on now that you want to talk about? Yeah, um, talk about st some stuff that's going on here in the Denver community. So I've been kind of involved with the Denver development community for quite a while. And so we put it on an event called Denver Dev Days, and we usually do that twice a year. And the next one is coming up on October 19th. And then the next one will be April of next year. So if you're kind of local to the Denver area, you're looking to come to Denver, put on a pretty good group there. Yeah. Super cool. Uh, is there a website for that? Yeah, uh, denverdevday.com. Okay. Check that out. Cool. All right. Well, let's go ahead and do some picks. Do you have some things you want to shout out about on the show? Uh, I do. So kind of kind of uh, a fun one. Um, I've been reading uh, or actually doing a reread of a book uh, called uh, The Shadow of What Was Lost by James Islington. Uh -huh. It's a fantasy novel. I think if you're a fan of stuff from like Brandon Sanderson or Robert Jordan, um, you'll probably um, like it quite a bit. I read it a few years ago and saw that the second book in the series came out. So I'm rereading it again and just about finished up with that. And so, you know, it's just good kind of coming of age, fantasy novel, lots of magic. That's pretty good stuff. Sounds like fun. That's right up my alley. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then uh, for my second pick, I'll pick um, Ionic V4, which uh, went into beta about a month ago. 
And so uh, that's going pretty good. We put it out to the public. It's getting lots and lots of feedback. I think we're on like beta eight already. So we're doing lots of releases, fixing bugs and stuff that have come back from the community feedback. So, you know, if you're um, looking for a mobile framework, then give Ion a people a, a look. Sounds good. I'm going to jump in here with the book. I tend to listen to books on Audible and I've kind of been working through just a bunch of, of business books mostly on how to grow DevChat TV. But uh, yeah, the book that I'm listening to now is called Scale, uh, Seven Proven Principles to Grow Your Business and Get Your Life Back. And it's by Jeff Hoffman and David Finkel. Um, both of them are serial entrepreneurs. Uh, Jeff Hoffman, I think, was the CEO and founder of Priceline for a while. So anyway, um, it's been interesting just to have them talk about some of these issues. I listen to it on Audible, so it's, you know, it's in my ears. But yeah, just thinking about some of this stuff, you know, I realized... Yeah, there are some things that I've kind of put blinders on, <laughs> to, for lack of a better word. Uh, one of them is hiring a salesperson. Um, I have just really put that off, and I realized that I need to hire a salesperson to s manage the sponsorships and things like that. It would take a huge load off of me, and it would automate basically part of uh, a big part of the revenue generation that we do here. And then I can focus more on the content, which is what I want to do anyway. Nice. And so... Yeah, just ideas. I, I highly recommend people be reading. Uh, read stuff that's not really necessarily in your wheelhouse either. I think the next book on my list is Tony Robbins' book, Unshakable, which is a financial book. So, yeah, kind of get a, a wide uh, breadth of things. I read political books. I read all kinds of books. So, anyway, but that's the one I'm reading right now, and I'm really, I'm really enjoying it. About an hour into it. And it's about an nice. eight-hour book on Audible. So. Yeah, love Audible as well. Most of yeah. the stuff I do nowadays is, is on Audible. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, so that's that's going to be my shout-out. I have to kind of uh, keep them sparing because I, I do so many <laughs> shows. Um, you know, I was telling you before the show, I think I'm doing six or seven episodes today um, between my JavaScript story, my Ruby story, React Roundup, Views on View, and Adventures in Angular. So... That's keeping me busy. And then we just had a really inf interesting conversation for Ruby Rogues when we talked about whether to build or buy um, services. And that was a fun episode. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, go check that out. Yeah, that's that's always a conversation worth having on a development team. Yep. So anyway, uh, let's go ahead and wrap this up. If people want to find you online, where do they go? Uh, so pretty much in, anywhere, I'm Eli Lucas, and that's E-L-Y, not E-L-I, so E-L-Y-L-U-C-A-S. Um, you can find me on Twitter, GitHub, uh, EliLucas.com um, is my blog. And yeah, anywhere in the Denver area, if you're here, come say hi. Awesome. Sounds good. Yeah, I tend to make it out to Denver periodically, so I'll have to keep you in mind next time I do that. All right, well, we'll go ahead and wrap this up, and we will catch everybody next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.